Good morning, church. Good to see you. Welcome to 2023. Did I get that right? 2023? How many of you have been still writing 2022? Right, we still do that, yeah. Um, but anyway, welcome to Trinity Bible Church. We are going to worship the Lord here together this morning. And we're going to worship God through music in just a moment. We'll stand and sing songs of praise to Him. We'll worship God by opening His Word together. We're going to worship God through prayer and also, of course, through our time of fellowship. Uh, and so this is a, a good thing to do on the first day of the week as we remember the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that is why the ancient church did that and gathered on Sundays to be reminded that they have life in Jesus. And so he is the one that we want to celebrate and uh, be reminded of today. And we will end our time together today through communion around the Lord's table, remembering his sacrifice and what it costs for us to have that freedom and the new life in him. And so what I'd like to do is uh, just remind you of our core values, as you see these words and hear them a lot, that we learn, grow, and serve. And that is what we do together. We learn the truth, we grow in faith, and then we serve. We serve each other and we serve our communities and the world around us. And so we'll be doing all three of those things this morning, but this is what we like to be reminded of often, that uh, this is how we pursue being disciples, followers of Jesus, by learning and growing and serving together. So listen to the word of the Lord as I read as our call to worship. This is um, a moment for us to hear from God, to hear from his holy word, to help us prepare mind and heart, to honor him with our lips and with our minds, and with the attitude of our heart as we enter into a worship time together. So from two different readings from the prophet Isaiah. First from chapter 40 of Isaiah. It says this. <clears throat> why do you complain, Jacob? And why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord and my cause is disregarded by my God? Do you not know and have you not heard the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary, they will walk and not be faint. As we enter into a new year, we like to be reminded of that hope that we have when we place our hope 
in the Lord Jesus Christ that our strength can be renewed. And then our other reading taken from Isaiah, but chapter 43. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished and snuffed out like a wick. Forget the former things and do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up, do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Would you stand with me as we pray into worship for this is what our God does. Father, thank you for this opportunity to be together this morning and now as we lift our voices and our hands and our hearts together in worship, may we sing and praise you as one, being reminded of those great promises that you are a God of new things. And as we embark on a new year together here at Trinity, God, may we be reminded of that often, that you make a way in the wilderness, streams in the desert where there is no water. These are the things you do, God, that we are to know it and perceive it. And Father, we pray right now that as our time of worship begins, that as we sing songs of praise to you, that we would be filled and reminded of that great hope. The great hope that we can have in this life and the life to come only through Jesus Christ. May our eyes perceive it, may our ears hear it, may our hearts know it, for you are the one who renews. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship together.
Give him all the praise and the glory. Father, we thank you because all praise and honor belong to you. God, as we continue our time together, may we still be worshiping you, worshiping you in spirit and in truth. And God, the words that we were just singing, may they motivate us to continue to, to give you our focus and attention and to turn our hearts and our minds to you. Lord God, thank you for a sweet time, but a powerful time of worship, proclaiming the truth about who you are and what you have done for us. We praise you, Father, for your glory, through the leading of the Spirit, and the power of Jesus' name. Amen. Take a moment to say good morning to somebody next to you.
for the new romance Singing for the loved in vain Overcame, it's not too late as a great reminder that we have our fellowship lunch today so another opportunity to continue um, just catching up about uh, your time of Christmas and New Year's and seeing some people you haven't seen in a couple of weeks and so please make sure you stay uh, for that it'll be right after our service and of course all are welcome to stay uh, before we dive into to God's word together and uh, kind of explain what it is that we'll be doing today as we open uh, the Bible together. Um, I just want to take uh, take a few extra minutes this morning to get us caught up on where we are and the life of the church. We call this church life, and so we have some new announcements and some updated things about ministries that started up again and some newer ministries, and so I uh, just want to include this as part of our time together because there's already there's uh, so many different ways to uh, to be involved here at Trinity, as we say, to learn, grow, and serve different opportunities that we have uh, throughout the week, in addition to Sundays, to learn and uh, to learn the truth of God's Word and uh, to learn more about who we are in Him. And then, of course, to grow, different ways that we have to, to get together to grow in our faith and trust in Him. And then, of course, service. There's many ways to get out be, even beyond these four walls to serve people by bringing the good news and the hope of Jesus Christ. And so just want to to, uh, to talk about a few of those things as a reminder that we are all about discipleship and pursuing what it means to be a follower of Jesus, and this is how we do it, by learning the truth, growing in faith, and of course, serving one another. Um, we, um, we, we spent the better part of the fall going through the Discipleship Pathway series, and this, as a reminder, was a tool that we launched here at Trinity at the uh, end of September, a tool that will help all of us stay on track to be followers of Jesus. And so there are print materials, some of which we have, others that will be coming throughout the year, and uh, materials that are also uh, content that's available digitally on our website, trinityallenwood.com. And uh, all the information that we covered in the fall is on our website. And so make sure you uh, make use of that uh, because, you know, we taught through that and we're kind of introduced to this whole tool and this idea of discipleship pathway Remember the 12 stepping stones, the 12 areas of being a disciple. It's found in our brochure, and these are available out in our Connection Center. Make sure you take one of them because it 
outlines the whole path and what that looks like, all of the stepping stones, and then more detailed information is on our website about that. When you go to the homepage, you'll see right on top, you can click learn more about the discipleship pathway. But this is a, a great opportunity for us as we embark on a new year together to actually take these things, these principles that we've learned about what every disciple should be focused on, these 12 key areas, the life of a Christian, and actually dig deeper into them and put them into practice. And so this coming year, we will uh, take some time together, uh, whether it's a Sunday morning class or it's a sermon series or it's during our Wednesday evening service and maybe it's a small group uh, at a home, but to focus in on things like learning about our spiritual gifts and and uh, we, we took a, a sermon to talk about what they are, but then we can go deeper and to help each other discover what our gifts are and then how to use them and how to grow in them. And then uh, we talked a lot about grace and what it looks like to grow in the uh, the grace of the Lord and how to show others grace and grace in our relationships and of course things like how do we study the Bible and how do we pray and things that might seem uh, simple to us or things that we need to spend a life uh, a lifetime uh, learning more and more about as we grow closer to the Lord and so our discipleship pathway actually does not end because we ended the series but it actually begins and it begins now by taking this tool and actually using it. It's like if you if you get a new tool for Christmas, right? And you look at it and you, you, you're learning all about it. You're reading the instructions and you're ready to actually use it and put it into practice. And that's where we are in our discipleship pathway. So just wanted to remind you uh, about that. We have um, our life recovery Bible study, which is every Sunday morning from uh, 9 to 10. And that is um, 10, 9 to 10, 15, right down the hall in the conference room. And that is a great opportunity. It's a way to just study God's word uh, with a particular purpose in mind. And that is to discover all that God says in his word uh, about how he, through his power, helps us to overcome whatever problems we may have. And this is a study group for anybody, really. It's not only if you've suffered with addiction or uh, anything else that may first come to mind, but this is a very important and valuable ministry here at Trinity that uh, I would encourage you to take advantage of in the new year. If you didn't in the fall, uh, we continue that every Sunday morning, the Life Recovery Bible Study, uh, and uh, we do that every Sunday morning. And so a good opportunity to discover what God says about how his power help us to overcome whatever life's uh, struggles are for us, all right? We also have available on Sunday mornings our Dig Deeper uh, series, and uh, we just actually started a new series, a new book today. Uh, the book is called Cold Case Christianity, and uh, this is open, of course, to anybody. Today was just sort of an introductory class and getting some materials out there. So you still, of course, you can join at any time, any Sunday you can start in, but next Sunday would be perfect to do that. Uh, and you can get the material uh, then as well and, and start in on the study. And so that's another opportunity to come earlier on a Sunday uh, from uh, 9.30 till 10.15 to uh, to look at different topics. And so our topic now for the next couple of months will be this book, Cold Case Christianity, and looking deeper into what it is we believe and why, and making the case uh, in a unique way 
for the Christian faith. And so that good opportunity to dig deeper into God's word uh, on Sunday mornings. We also have during the week our Tuesday morning men's and women's Bible studies. They started up again this past week. So men at 6.30 to 7.30, uh, ladies 9.30 to 11. Uh, we are in the book of Genesis, and uh, it's a wonderful opportunity, again, to grow closer to the Lord and to each other by studying his word. So another opportunity uh, throughout the week, right, to get together uh, in addition to Sunday mornings uh, to learn and to grow in the knowledge of God. Um, now, th this is new. I'll spend a, a couple extra minutes on that. So you know that we do have a Wednesday evening service, and our Wednesday evening services are from 6.30 to 7.30, and then uh, following that is our um, time of prayer, our prayer gathering, and we also offer uh, children's ministry during this time. And so, of course, we're going to continue our Wednesday evening service, but we're going to have a, a couple of different changes to it. I think we'll make it a little bit more exciting and, and uh, open up an opportunity for a few more people. But we're going to continue to have our service the same time frame, 6.30 to 7.30. We're still going to have our prayer gathering right after. But we're going to be holding this service just down the road at the Allenwood Church. Now, many of you are familiar with them, and we've done events uh, with them throughout the, the past few years. And it's Pastor Dave Berkey and his church there. And so uh, the reason we're doing this is because some of you also are aware that myself and Pastor Dave and another local pastor, Pastor Mike Morgan from Shiloh Baptist Church right there in downtown Manasquan, uh, the three of us record a podcast every week, and we've been in preparations to launch that again. And so we've been recording some episodes and doing some planning and kind of tweaking that. And so we'll be launching those new episodes in a couple of weeks. But what we decided is we wanted to try something different and record our podcast as part of the service. And so um, what we're going to do is the message or the teaching on Wednesday nights will be the three of us as a combined team teaching from the Word of God. And if you've listened to the podcast before, you know that what we do is the three of us get together the week before and we read a passage of scripture as we go through a Bible reading plan, which is all part of the, the Sojourning podcast. You see the icon there. You can find that podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. But what we do is we challenge each other. We find a very simple uh, challenge from that week's reading and the three of us live it out that week. And we get together and we talk about, we just share a brief testimony about what it was like, because our whole point in this podcast is to be more than just hearers of the word, as James tells us, but to be doers of the word. So we challenge ourselves first, and then we invite all of you to join in and take that same challenge. So on Wednesday nights at the Allenwood Church from 6.30 to 7.30, we will be recording our podcast live. It'll also be live streamed. Uh, but then the second half of that night, so from, from about 7 to 7.30, will be interactive, a time where uh, you can ask questions and we can talk with you about your experience with that passage or any questions you have for us based upon our testimonies. And uh, if you happen to miss a Wednesday, you can also uh, live, you can send in a request or a question or something, and we can answer that right there. Uh, on the spot. And so it'll be a great opportunity to do something a little different, but still gather and uh, have a time in God's word. But it'll be the three of us together teaching, recording the podcast. So you can also follow it afterwards if you happen to miss a Wednesday. We'll still be offering uh, um, the children's ministry, and there will be that important uh, time of interaction. So if you've come to a Wednesday night, 
you know how we've really valued that time together. And then right after the service at 7.30, we will have our prayer gathering that we have every Wednesday evening. We'll do it right there in their sanctuary. And so another great opportunity that opens it up for people from Allenwood or from Shiloh Baptist to stay and to pray. So we will have a much larger group being able to pray together for our community and for each other. And so I would encourage you to take advantage of this. And if you say, well, I'm not sure if I want to commit to a Wednesday night, here's what I would do. I would encourage you to come and check it out. Just put one Wednesday evening aside and come. It's just one hour. And then if you can, uh, if you can stay, you can stay and pray. But if not, it's just a one-hour commitment. If you have little kids, you can bring them out. We started a little bit earlier, 6.30, to make it easier for parents. So you can uh, be home shortly after that service to get your kids ready for bed. So um, just wanted to encourage you about that. And that is starting uh, in two weeks. So uh, I think it's in two weeks on the 25th. So Wednesday, January 25th, we will begin meet, having our Wednesday evening service at the Allenwood Church. So you'll see more text updates and emails about it. It'll be on our website, but just wanted to, to make you aware of that. It's a great opportunity to invite of friends maybe that you've been sharing your faith with as well in a very um, uh, sort of casual way. It'll be a different type of service. And I, I truly believe you'll be blessed by that. So that is our Wednesday evening service update. Uh, just of course, as a reminder, the first Sunday of every month that we gather, with a couple of, of exceptions throughout the year, we have communion. And so we will be ending our service with communion today. Uh, to remember the Lord's sacrifice. That's an important part of what we do here at Trinity. Of course, we'll continue. Another very important part of what we do here at Trinity is our fellowship lunch, and that's also uh, on the first Sunday of the month, so we almost always do those together, our communion, and then our fellowship lunch right after. So that is today. As we end our service today with communion, we will then go into an extended time of fellowship uh, around a meal, just a great uh, opportunity. And so everybody is always welcome, but uh, we ask that if you're gonna come that you just uh, bring a dish to share. And um, uh, so even if you didn't bring food today, please stay, there'll be plenty of food. So just as a reminder that we do that. In the warmer weather, if you're new to us, we do a barbecue. We do hammers and hot dogs that the church provides and we all bring sides and it's wonderful, but we continue that throughout the year. So during the winter months, it's more of like a potluck and we'll be doing some themes uh, through, uh, throughout the season as well. Somebody even suggested that we do breakfast one time, breakfast for lunch. I, I would eat breakfast for dinner. I'd eat breakfast for breakfast, breakfast for lunch. And so it's always fun to do that as well, right? And now I kind of got you thinking about, you know, where are you going to go after service? And I'm gonna, you know, but you're going to stay here. You're going to eat here, right? So another uh, thing that we love to do here, church, just gives us another opportunity to share uh, our faith and what God is doing and to have some good time of fellowship. So Next week, which is the 15th, we will have a guest speaker. I'll, I'll still be here, but um, this is something I set up months ago. A good friend of mine, Dr. Greg Haig, who's been here many times. He is my mentor uh, in the faith and uh, the first one to really start getting me involved in studying uh, the scriptures deeper and the all things of theology. And so Dr. Haig uh, is a good friend and mentor and all-around good guy, and he will be bringing the word to us next week. Uh, he will be speaking to us about the call of Moses. And so uh, stay tuned for that. But I would encourage you to, to be here. His wife, Linda, will be here as well. But Dr. Haig is a very busy guy. Uh, he is uh, currently the vice president or one of the vice presidents of Chosen People Ministries, which is an outreach uh, to um, 
the uh, Jewish community, especially the Orthodox Jewish community, like we have here uh, next door in Lakewood. Uh, he is based in Brooklyn, and because he is also, in addition to being the VP of Chosen People Ministries, uh, he is also the uh, program director and a professor at one of their sister ministries, which is the Charles Feinberg Center for Messianic Jewish Studies. So it is a seminary that he started in overseas uh, for people that want to continue their education and learning on a graduate level uh, what it, it means to reach out to the Orthodox Jewish community, which many of you know is a, a very challenging and unique type of mission field. And uh, they are based in Brooklyn. And so if you, you know anything about the communities, you know that um, uh, Lakewood and Brooklyn are the two largest uh, communities of, of Orthodox Jews outside of Israel. And so uh, we praise God for that kind of ministry and that we can partner with them. Scott Schwartz, one of our missionary partners, is with a very similar ministry. But Dr. Haig will be here next week to bring the word and to share a little bit of update about what they are doing. All right, and uh, then the following week, which is the 22nd, is when we will begin our study of Second Peter. Because if you remember way back when, the beginning of last year, we went through the book of First Peter, and our series, which will continue, is called Following Jesus in a Hostile World. And perhaps some of you have felt that or noticed that and sensed that, that in some ways it's becoming a bit more difficult, um, challenging, let's say, to express our faith, to share our faith. And yet Jesus told us that would happen. Because you remember, Jesus said very clearly to his disciples, and that is us, that the world hated him, and so they will hate us. Maybe not personally, but because of our faith. And so we haven't truly known what that's been like, like many of our brothers and sisters around the world throughout the uh, centuries who have experienced that. But yet, God's word is relevant to us at all times, right? And so we will continue in just two weeks our study through those books, and we will pick up with Second Peter. And the theme is wonderful. I'm actually going to be talking a little bit about it in just a minute. But the theme, really, from Second Peter is about two main things. It's about being aware of false teaching or false teachers in churches, which is a big deal uh, during his day. And then looking forward to the soon return of Jesus. And what a wonderful thing that uh, we can give our focus and attention on. Amen? And so that's what we will do in two weeks. So just a few more quick updates. Our missions team is always at work. And uh, we took a break in December, but we have this uh, missions trip planned. We've been planning this for a while. At the end of this month, on Sunday the 29th, right after service, that we will be gathering here and uh, heading down to Delaware. We've done this a couple of times already, and there's a place right uh, outside of the Sunday breakfast mission there that we will be um, uh, just kind of pulling up. It's under this bridge, and we are handing out coats and hygiene kits and, of course, sharing the gospel. And uh, there's many people that come out there to... Uh, to seek help and hope, and so we go to bring that. And so it's an amazing uh, time, and if you haven't done that, I would encourage you, if it sounds like it's way outside of your comfort zone, that means that you should do it. That's what I say, right? And so be thinking about that. We'll have a registration for that. I just wanna know who's coming uh, to that, but that'll be on uh, the 29th, that's Sunday, right after service. So mark your calendars, be praying about that, and be looking for more information but that'll be our next uh, opportunity to get out uh, and serve 
right, and uh, serve our greater community going down to Delaware. So, yep, amen. And so we have on February 12th, just as sort of a, um, a placeholder, put that in your calendars, we'll be having our annual business meeting. We have an annual business meeting once a year. Oh, sweet joke. Thank you. All right. So we do that uh, at the, usually the beginning of February. So February 12th, right after service, will be our annual business meeting. Where And of course, everybody's welcome, but especially if you're a member, we vote on our budget for the new year and other things that come up. So mark your calendars for that. February 12th, right after service, is our annual business meeting. Last couple of things. Please remember, we have a prayer email. So uh, if you're interested, sign up for that. Just send an email to prayer at trinityallenwood.com. And of course, you will then get a response and you'll be able to receive all of our prayer requests and updates to get to see how God is answering prayers. And so do that, please. And then the uh, last thing is make sure you stay connected. And the way that we give the quickest uh, updates is through text message. And so you simply just text that word, join Trinity to that number, 84576. And in a couple of quick steps, you are signed up. And uh, if anything changes because of weather, or updates in a ministry, or just as great reminders, that's the best way to get it, right? Quicker than even checking your emails. And so make sure you, uh, you make a point to do that, all right? And so here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna ask that you would turn in your Bibles uh, to Second uh, Peter chapter three. Now it's gonna be up there on the screen for you. Uh, it's just this one verse that we're looking at today, but here's why. Every year I like to have a theme verse, a verse that we come back to regularly as just a reminder of a way to bring our focus and attention, more clarity to something specific about our life with Jesus. And if you remember last year, we looked at Jesus' words to his disciples and his challenge to them when Jesus said, if you wanna be my disciples, you are to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. So. Last year was all about discipleship. We launched a discipleship pathway. And of course, we continue that. But our specific verse and theme for this year of 2023 is taken directly from the end of 2 Peter. This is the last verse in 2 Peter, which is the book that we will start studying in a couple of weeks. But I wanted to just take a, a few minutes today to, uh, to kind of give you a, um, just a, a brief idea of why it is, I believe the, the Lord gave me this verse uh, in this particular book as our theme for this year. And it's very simply this, from 2 Peter 3.18, it's the first part of that verse. Peter says, in the way he sums up his whole letter, he says, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's it, that's our theme verse for this year. Grow, he says, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And as with any other verse from the Bible, you can read it over and over and glean something different every time. There's so much we can unpack. But I just wanted to, to briefly kind of give uh, just an overview of what it is that we'll be kind of focusing on this year as we implement the discipleship pathway and as we study Second Peter and the other books that follow after that as we preach through books of the Bible. But I chose this verse because it is the ending verse of the book we're about to study, but also because it touches on two things that really I think came to light more so throughout our series in the fall uh, of the discipleship pathway. It's about this word grace 
and then attached to it the idea of growing in knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, in his, uh, uh, in his article from his website, uh, author Tim Challies uh, describes an interview that he did with a representative of the Bank of Canada. Now, the author, Tim Challies, wrote this uh, article called Counterfeit Detection. And so he was quite interested in what this might look like to, um, to, to kind of uh, find out how it is that we can identify when something is fraudulent or counterfeit. Because for many years, we've kind of used and heard this, this uh, idea in churches and Christian circles that the way that uh, the government or the way that fraud detectors and banks and the FBI will be able to detect counterfeit money is by studying real money. And that's, it's a great illustration. And so he thought, you know, I've heard this a lot and I just don't know if it's true. And so he did his own investigation and he went and met with a representative of the Bank of Canada. That's where he lives up in Canada. And uh, he met with a representative there and it was quite an interesting story that he tells. And it's really a, a good way for us to, to get an illustration of what we're talking about this year, about growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so he meets with this, this um, agent from the bank, and the agent brings a stack of money. And uh, some of it is counterfeit, and some of it is real, real notes, Canadian notes. And so she goes on to explain to him the process that fraud detectors at the Bank of Canada use in order to determine if, uh, if bills, if notes, if money is real or counterfeit. And she said they use this basic four-step process. And she called it touch, tilt, look at, look through. Here's why I thought that that was interesting. Because she basically said what they do uh, to determine if money is counterfeit or not is they look at real money and they study it. And they study it. Right? For a long time to become so familiar with the real thing that if anything passes through that is counterfeit in any way, they'd be able to detect it. But isn't that interesting that you don't study something that's counterfeit so that you can find something that's counterfeit. You study the real thing so you know what's true and what's real so that anything that is off, anything that doesn't match up with what you know is real, you'll be able to detect. And so she said what their agents do is first, um, they touch it. And so if you had some money on your right, you, you touch it and it has a certain feel, right? It has a certain feel to it. And, and, and counterfeit money just doesn't have the same feel. Counterfeiters will try really hard to make it exactly the same, but our money, at least in this country, is made of a very unique uh, cotton sort of blend of, of uh, paper and cotton material, and so it's got a unique feel. And so the first way to determine if something is counterfeit is to feel it, to touch it. But then also they do what's called the tilt, and so you take it and you look up at it. Maybe you've ever done that, and, and at least, in, and I know it's the same thing here in the U.S., but there's a strip which is holographic in nature, and when you do it, Different colors come out, which is really difficult to, to duplicate and to, to fraudulently create. And so you tilt it. So not only do you touch it, but you tilt the money, and you can see these different colors in this, this colored strip. But then what they also do, of course, which makes sense, is they look at it. To look at all of the, 
the distinguishing features, the labels, the, the images, the numbers, the names that are on it, the certain kind of signature, and you look at it and you study it. But then the last thing you do, or what they do at the Bank of Canada, is you look through it. So again, you kind of hold it up to a light and you look and you'll see that there is a very faint watermark. Our money has that on it too. Something that's very uh, difficult to, um, to counterfeit. And so they go through this process and it was interesting because he shares in this article that this agent gave him the opportunity to do it. So she let him sit for an hour by himself and he studied the real thing. And then she brought him, she put this pile in front of him and said, some of these are real and some are not. And he said, actually... It was quite easy, easier than he thought it was. After just studying for a little while, it was quite easy to determine the fake money from the real money. And so why do I bring this up? Because Peter, in his second book, which we will start uh, reading in a couple of weeks together, he deals with counterfeits in the church, false teachers that were coming in. And of course, a false teacher is not gonna present himself and announce that he's a false teacher. But he comes in teaching things that are heretical or things that are against orthodox teaching or what Paul and Peter and the other apostles were teaching the brand new church. And so this is a big issue with the churches that he was dealing with at the time. And he writes his second letter right before his death. And so um, he, he writes to tell them, beware of false teachers because they will try to influence the church to move away from what is true, the true teachings about the Lord Jesus Christ, about who he is and what he has done, and to move and influence the church away from that. It was a big deal. So he was teaching them all about beware of false teachers. And so he ends his book by simply saying this, this is the way he summed it up, as if to say, this is the best way, church, to know if you're starting to hear or be influenced by false or faulty teaching, which goes against what they had taught them, what we know from the word today, he says, this is what you do. You need to grow. He's saying, you need to be disciples, followers of Jesus, the real Jesus, but you need to grow in your grace and knowledge. He says, grow in the grace and knowledge. So we take knowledge first. He's saying, you know what? Get to know Jesus better every day. Get to know about him and get to know him. Do you see the world of difference there? We can know all about Jesus, but what he really calls us to do as disciples is to get to know him. That's about the relationship, see? So Peter is saying this is the best way, right? the best way to, to make sure that we're not being led astray by any false teaching, he says, by growing in knowledge. Get to know Jesus more, the real Jesus, the Jesus we find in the scriptures. Not an idea of who we think Jesus is or should be. Not an idea of Jesus based upon a little bit of this and a little bit of that and based upon our experience or who we think he really should be to us, but no, we get to know the true Jesus, who he tells us who he is in the scripture. So we are to grow in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus. But do you see what he did? He even put, and you would think like, well, it seemed obvious, right? He wouldn't have to put this. He even put in there a disclaimer about who we should be getting to know more about. He says, grow in the knowledge of what? 
the one person, Jesus Christ, who is Lord and who is Savior. He's trying to say, get to know all about Jesus, what it means that he's Lord and and what does it look like for us to allow him to be Lord of our lives in every way, but also to get to know him as Savior and, and to plumb the depths of the true riches of that truth that he came to save us. So he's saying, get to know, grow in your knowledge and your understanding of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now that is key. It should be our first thing that we do as followers. And so what a way to start the new year, to say, you know what, this year, in all that we do, let's make sure that we are focusing and growing clearer, gaining clarity in our understanding, our knowledge of who Jesus is. Because if we are called to follow him, don't we need to know what he looks like? Jesus says about him being the shepherd and we're the sheep, he says, the sheep know me, they know my voice, they know when I call them. See, that's how sheep, actual sheep, know to follow the right shepherd, because oftentimes shepherds and sheep would go out together, right, and they'd be out in the same kind of field. But if a shepherd called his sheep, they knew him so well from spending time with them, and the shepherd would care for them and feed them and know them that when he called them, they would know that it was him, that it was their shepherd. Jesus says that about us. And so we are to grow in our knowledge of him, but then let's talk for a minute about grace. God's abundant and amazing grace. We talked often um, last year in our Discipleship Pathway series about God's grace and how grace is fundamental to the Christian life. Grace does not start and end at the moment of salvation because, yes, we proclaim it over and over that we are saved by grace through faith, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. Saved by God's grace. You know what grace means? Grace simply means unmerited favor. It means God gives us something we do not deserve. Now, mercy, on the other hand, is a way in an opposite. They also go together. But God's mercy is that he doesn't give us something we do deserve. See the difference? So God's grace is that he gives us something we in no way earn or deserve. But in God's mercy, he doesn't give us, he withholds something that we do deserve. And so in God's grace, we call it unmerited favor. It means that he gives what we cannot earn or deserve. And ultimately, the greatest show of God's grace is through giving us the Lord Jesus Christ. And so grace, again, it doesn't just end there at the moment of salvation. That's where it begins. So we are to, until the Lord returns for us or he calls us home, we are to grow in our understanding of grace because grace is woven through every aspect of being a disciple. As we looked at those 12 stepping stones of discipleship, we saw how grace impacts each and every one of them. We, um, we, uh, we put out this booklet that we started using in a couple of small groups and went through it with, with, um, with some people, but these books are available to you. It looks just like this. I would encourage you, if you're interested, to learn more about grace, to take one of these. There's a bunch of them on the Connection Center. If you run out, we have more. If, you, if there's none out there when you leave uh, after lunch, please make sure you take one. But this simple booklet that we put together for you, it's called Grace, Free, Secure, and Sure. And it's all about this foundational principle of grace. What does grace look like? 
I mean, it's a word that we use a lot, right? And we hear it a lot at church, but almost to to the point where where it just kind of loses its flavor and loses its its impact. Well, I would encourage you, don't ever allow that to happen because grace brings us freedom. Grace allows us to be secure in our salvation and grace allows us to have wonderful assurance that we are saved in him. I wanna just read to you uh, the table of contents and a, a quick passage from here about grace and why it is that this coming year especially, we'll keep coming back to this idea, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because our understanding of Jesus, our knowledge, is really enveloped and enlightened by this idea of grace. You cannot separate the two. So in this booklet, which is available to you, we talk about the discipleship pathway at the beginning, then we talk about how grace is free, the relationship of grace and works, like what are the things that I do have to do with God's grace? How grace is secure, the security of our salvation. How grace is sure, we can have assurance that we are saved and not doubt it. It talks about grace in relationships, how to be gracious to each other, especially those whom it's hard and difficult to love. We all have people like that in our lives. And then it ends with even grace and shame. What do we do about the shame that we still feel from sins we have committed or things from the past? And how can grace set us free from that? Learn, the more we learn about grace, the more we will enjoy freedom in Christ, the more that we will experience peace, and the more that we will live with joy. Do you see how grace feeds everything? that Jesus came to give us. And so I just want to, um, to read this portion to you. Listen to what it says in this, in this book under the assurance of, uh, that grace brings us. So what practical difference does assurance make? A sure salvation should motivate you to a life of obedience, service, and gratitude. Assurance of our faith should never be a reason to do whatever you want without concern for consequences. Because sometimes you think, boy, if I'm secure and assured in my faith, then that means I can do whatever I want because I'm still going to heaven. Well, doesn't Paul address that very thing in Romans 6? Paul says, what shall we say? Are we to continue going on sinning since grace has covered all of our sin? Since grace is always greater than even our worst sins? May it not be so. And may it never be, Romans 6, 1 through 4. God has freed us from this fear and doubt so that we might walk in newness of life just as Jesus did. God intends the reality of being saved for sure as a powerful motivation to faithfulness and obedience. Church, this is why I bring it up. We all struggle at times with being motivated to be obedient to Jesus, don't we? I mean, if we're honest, we do that. What's our motivation? Think about that. What's your motivation to get up in the morning? What's your motivation to go to work? What's your motivation to do anything that you do throughout the day? What motivates you to do that? We all wake up on certain mornings and we have no motivation whatsoever to get out of bed, right? That's why we invented the snooze button and we love that so much, snooze, 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 right? But what's our motivation to do anything that we do? But let's apply that to our faith in Christ. 
What is our motivation to do what Jesus tells us to do? What's our motivation to come on a Sunday to worship? What's our motivation to sing? What's our motivation to open his word and to learn more about him? What's our motivation to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Ultimately, it's for his glory. Our motivation simply should be to bring glory to God because he's worthy of it. Our motivation to obey him is because he gets glory from it and we're better for it. Our motivation to follow Jesus is because God loved us so much that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him would not die but have everlasting life. Our motivation is the fact Jesus died for me so I'm gonna live for him. What's our motivation? Grace is probably the greatest motivator of them all. When we are reminded as we grow in grace, understanding God's grace more and deeper and deeper for the rest of our lives, it should then motivate us saying, God, you did this for me. I didn't deserve it. I didn't do one thing to earn it. So therefore, I owe you my life. We're told that even our lives are not our own, that they were paid for paid by a price, and that's Jesus Christ, which we will remember in just a moment together through the bread and the cup. So grace really is to be the greatest motivating factor. And so this is our theme verse for the year, that we are to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So we know who it is that we are to get to know better, that we get to know him as Lord, get to know him as Savior, and Jesus the Christ, the Messiah, the promised and sent one. And as we do that, it sounds so simple, but it is foundational to all that we do as Christians and as a church together. Peter sums up his letter this way. He says, you know what? Beware of the false teachers. Realize Jesus is coming back soon. There's gonna be a lot going on. You're gonna be feeling more and more persecution because of your faith, because Jesus told us that. So he sums it up by saying, here's what you need to do then. Because we can get so confused and overwhelmed, right? What do we do, God? Grow. Keep growing. Keep growing closer to Jesus. But you can't just stay where you are. Grow. Grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You think of a great mighty tree that, you know, we see. We see the, the, the great trunk of the tree, and we see the branches and the fruit and the leaves there's also roots that are deep, deep into the ground to keep it steady during the storms of life, to get all those nutrients that are deep in the soil. We are to be the same way, growing big and tall as Christians and growing in our faith and, and producing the fruit of the Spirit so it's attractive to others, but realizing in order to grow, we are to sink our roots deep. And we do that by studying and growing in the grace of and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we are to know God more and know how to live by his grace, to walk in his grace, to be gracious towards the people in our lives that we would continue to be examples, to be the beacon on a hill, the light and the salt that Jesus says that we are. We are to grow grace and knowledge, but it's all about Jesus Christ. So church, as we bring this to a close, we are going to um, gather around what we call the Lord's table. And this is communion. It's the breaking of bread. This is that thing that Jesus instituted for us uh, on the night before he was betrayed. 
And he told us in his word that as often as we get together, we should remember him. And he gave us a symbol because he knows that the way that we think and operate, that it's often important that we have pictures, that we have uh, symbols, that we have actions, we have rituals in a sense that help us to remember something that's important. And so Jesus took two very common elements. He took the wine at the table and he took bread, which they were enjoying together during that very last supper, that Passover meal, as they remembered God's deliverance of the people of Israel uh, out of Egypt and under the hand of Pharaoh. And so he's experiencing this together, he knew for the last time. And then he does this thing, which he had done with them many times, and he takes the bread and he takes the cup, and he gave it new significance. See, because in a matter of hours, the bread would represent his body given for us. And that cup of wine would symbolize his blood, which was about to be shed for us. The scripture clearly teaches that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. Jesus came as Savior to forgive sins for all who would believe. And so he instituted what we call the Lord's Supper or the breaking of bread and communion on this night. And that's why we do this now as a church, because he commanded that we do it so that we would remember, because we can be forgetful people. And so it can be a powerful reminder. And so I also remind you that this is given for the church, for those who have put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you're with us this morning and you're still seeking and you're searching and you're not yet sure about this Jesus person and you're just kind of learning, it's okay if you don't come up to get a cup and bread because Jesus gave this for what we call the family of God, for all those who would believe, for us to remember the significance of the sacrifice that because of his grace, freedom that we now have, it cost Jesus everything, his very life, but it is offered to us for free. So in a moment, you're gonna hear music being played and I would just uh, ask you to take the opportunity as you do to take some time with God. Confess sins if you need to. First John 1, 9 tells us that, that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So take time with God, take a moment or two as you hear the music play, and just speak with your God. Think about and reflect upon your relationship with him, those things that might be holding you back and the things that you'd like to see change in your relationship with Jesus this coming year, how we can grow in God's grace as we learn more about him. So what I'll do is ask you to do this, that um, take some time to do that, and then uh, whenever you feel led, there's no rush. You can just get up and either come to the table here in the front or the one by the side doors and just take a bread and take a cup and return to your seat. And when we've all done that, I'll close us out by leading us in the taking of the bread and the cup together. So take your time, meet with your Lord Jesus, and when you're ready, you can get up and grab the elements and come back to your seats.
On the night before he was betrayed, Jesus took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it. He said these words, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take and eat together in remembrance of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the same way, after supper, Jesus took the cup and he said these words, this is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. So in remembrance of him, let's drink together. Let's stand together. We'll close our time by singing of God's amazing grace. Let's sing together, church.
Oh, Father, may we continue to grow and grow in that amazing grace. Grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for our time today. But now, Father God, as we enjoy this meal together and then leave this place, may we take your wonderful, amazing grace with us and share it with others. May we walk in that grace. And we give you all the glory for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, just give the team about five minutes or so to bring the food out. And uh, please, everyone's welcome to stay.
Him. 
Goose Girl You ain't coming soon